This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we are here to become better habitat managers. Welcome, everybody. It is November 10th when this goes live guys we are in it right now i hope you guys are having the best deer season you've ever had i know uh brian whacked a nice buck tonight in pennsylvania a little hint hint story to come hopefully um i know i've been passing a bunch of deer i know we got deer camp next week um shoot and some also some really big news and tell you here in, in a second things have been going well been busy been hunting a fair amount um around here trying to get something knocked down but just passing two-year-old after two-year-old here and uh i did miss one buck over his back and um that's that's where i'm at guys so it's been awesome though i've been having a great time um and today we have an awesome episode um from a really good friend of mine who's having an even better time mr Corey francis you guys know Corey. he's been on here before uh multiple times three or four times uh, we talk about his season so far we talk about we actually talk a lot about trees um tree planting and, and how to prep for the spring planting um the different orchards Corey's planted apples chestnuts uh tips with sandy soil i know a lot of us here in michigan have a sandy soil we deal with you know when to order trees like right now get your tree orders in you know we work with morris nursery i would be working with them to get your order in now for spring uh don't wait we've been preaching that for years uh we also talk about uh cory shot a really nice buck the other day we talk about some doe harvest we talk about 
um, kind of his plan for gun season and kind of maybe what we should all do in our respective areas during gun season. Some strategies to talk about. Uh, whether you're down in ag country or you're up in the big woods, we talk about the different strategies that we'll be employing this next week for gun season. So Mr. Corey Francis has been on here before. Uh, thank you guys for coming back and listening. Great episode with Corey. I always love catching up with him on the podcast. Uh, we always dive into a multitude of topics that are that are well-versed. So guys, I have some extremely exciting news. I've been waiting to tell you guys this for, oh shoot, I don't know, August probably. We, my wife and I, closed on 40 acres yesterday here in Michigan. So guys, as you know, I've been looking hard for the next project close to home. We got the Northern 70 rolling. The logging is kicked off up there. We're going to get into a podcast coming up on the updates up there, along with a podcast about this brand new 40 acres that uh, we own here right in, in Michigan. Half hour from us, blessed and, and honored to, to be able to, to purchase this property from the seller who's a podcast listener. You know who you are. Thank you very much. And um, you know, I'm the guy who bought the 15 podcast listener as well. So guys, we're building a community here and this 40 acres is part of that because I'm going to help. I'm going to help. You're going to help me build this 40 acres up. I'm going to involve the podcast listenership to help me with this 40 acres. And I'm not sure how I'm going to do it yet, but that's what we're going to do. So, you know, I have a bunch of ideas myself. We talk a little bit about it on the podcast here towards the end about the new 40 and kind of what it looks like a little bit. And again, we're going to dive into that in another episode, probably after deer camp here coming up when we have some time to, to catch back up with things. And um, we'll dive right into everything about this new property. And uh, guys, I can just, it's a weight off my shoulders. Been, you know, getting this thing closed for, for quite a while. I uh, went with uh, Greenstone for some of the lending. And I know that, you know, they're they're a little backed up. So that took forever. But um, I just got to say, I worked with Chad Thalen at Midwest Lifestyle Properties. And, you know, he's just, he knows so much about this stuff. He really helped me with the transaction, uh, making sure I had all my T's crossed and I's dotted. Uh, he helped the sellers. He helped everybody kind of kind of manage just, just to make sure, you know, things weren't missed. Um, so I really want to throw it out there to Chad over at Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Just really awesome friend of mine and glad he helped with, you know, help me navigate, make sure my, my, my stuff was covered and I wasn't missing anything. Cause some of this stuff, you know, when these purchase agreements and everything else looks a little foreign. So uh, guys, if you need help, you know, reach out to Chad. He's always available for this type of thing. And, um, and yeah, 40 acres. I don't even know what to think. Uh, it's, we closed on at the eighth. So I said yesterday, but we're launching this tomorrow. So Close on at the 8th, and now, you know, we're going up north to the northern 70. So probably won't even get to get out there much and get out to it till December. Um, I plan to hunt it hard for muzzleloader and the rest of the year. Um, so really excited. I have a lot to learn. I can just, my brain is going in 19 different directions with this new piece, and it's going to be fun. So I can't wait to bring you all along for the journey. Thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate you coming back to the Habitat Podcast. We have a bunch of new projects to talk about here in the future. And um, man, am I fired up. Again, I hope things are going well in your neck of the woods. I wish everybody luck this week who's getting out in the woods. Uh, I know gun season opens up for us here in Michigan. I think Indiana too. Um, some of the other guys, you know, Ohio, PA, you're a little bit later. But, you know, Illinois, you're coming up soon too. All you guys, just good luck. Be safe. I want to thank everybody who has been leaving us great reviews. Uh, we always send out free 5-inch Habitat podcast decals to those who leave us a great review. 
Uh, the link below in the show notes. Click that, leave a review, send me an email, info at habitatpodcast.com. We'll take care of you. Really appreciate that. And, um, and yeah, I just want to thank the rest of our partners. I want to thank Downburst Cedars. Doug over there has a great product. Make sure you check out downburstcedars.com. Morse Nursery. We talk about this a little bit in the show. I already mentioned it, but we got, you guys, we want to make sure we get our orders in for spring. Now, um, if there's a code, let's see, the code is right here. It is Habitat 10, 10% off everything on MorseNursery.com. Be sure to use that up. We have Packer Max Cult of Packers. The code for Packer Max Cult of Packers, HPC 25, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Vitalize Seed Company. Pre-orders will be coming soon and tagged out seed products. Guys, Rich down there in Southern Ohio has a bunch of clients knocking down some great deer he's a brand new partner of ours and if you're in the you know that kentucky ohio virginia area west virginia area be sure to reach out to rich he's also a dealer for 360 blinds um we'll be talking more about that in the future as well and we'll get rich on the podcast but check him out at tagged out seed products on facebook guys thanks so much for tuning in once again really appreciate it love you very much can't tell you enough how humbled i am to have the listener listenership that we do and uh, we're going to keep providing free, awesome content for you and a bunch of new stuff on the horizon. So good luck out there. This is brought to you by Tagged Out Seed Products. Guys, Rich Hickson, my friend from Southern Ohio, owner of Tagged Out Seed Products, is here to help. I know a lot of folks from Michigan, Indiana, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, Kentucky, all hunt Ohio, Southern Ohio. There's some giants down there. I've been hunting down there for years. So is Brian. Um, guys, Rich is here to help if you hunt in that area. Rich is a dealer for 360 hunting blinds, some of the best blinds I've ever been a part of and seen. He offers professional installation of these blinds if you'd like. He'll also do designing and planning food plots, establishing bedding areas, establishing screening access, anything you want, you know, trail cutting, unwanted vegetation control, invasives. He's kind of the guy on the ground for you. You know, here at Habitat Podcast, we design a lot of land plants. We design them. We offer our expertise and give you the map to success. Rich is the next step. Rich will put it into play for you if you need the help, if you're not around, if you'd like some additional expertise. You know, he'll he'll bring these plans to life for us, for you. Out-of-state landowners, um, feeder filling, trail camera adjustments, whatever you need. He's like, he's like a property manager. Um, he also supplies a lot of large volume feeders where legal. Uh, he can also help you with any sort of hunting advice that you might need. He's veteran owned. He's a veteran. Single dad, two kids, loves the outdoors. And I just, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Uh, I just, I love his moral, where his moral compass is at and, and his outlook on things. And um, he's been in business three years now, serving landowners in Southern Ohio, Northern West Virginia, Northern Kentucky, and Western Pennsylvania. Guys, check him out on Facebook and Instagram at tagged out seed products that's the at symbol tagged out seed products check them out rich hickson with tagged out seed products new partner of the habitat podcast All right, so you said that is a virtual background on this call, huh? Yeah, virtual background, man. Looking good. The wall looks bigger than last time you were on, I think. Yeah, I moved rooms. I redid some stuff in the basement to give the kids space where my old like beer room was, and I moved into this one, and it's only partially, well, it's done, but I still have like a ton of junk to this side, so luckily the camera doesn't pan that way. I wish that junk was a virtual background. Hey, no problem, uh, man. That's a good-looking wall. Yeah, I got three more to pick up at the end of this week. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, they're they're not all mine, man. You know, yeah. life kids. Sure. Sure. Here and there, you know. Yeah, I I tried to to join your your club this morning. Um, 
I ended up passing three little bucks. Nothing. Nice. No shooters. Nice. Oh, uh-huh. Hey, man, they'll be they'll be there eventually, man. I was getting tired of passing deer too this season, and uh, I had a great hunt the other day. But uh, but of course, uh, got a picture this morning of my target. Okay. So I mean, I still have another tag. Yeah. But I kind of wanted to save it for late season, but it would be for him, so I might as well go after him. Get him while you can, right? Get yeah. him while you can. Let's do this. Let's do a little introduction to people who haven't yep. heard this voice before, which I'm sure most have. You've been on the podcast, I don't know, a bunch of times. But my good friend, Corey Francis, let's tell us about you, man. Uh, born and raised in Michigan. Um, and I'm somewhere in the in my 40s. Uh, I've been bow hunting since I was, I don't know, since I could pull a bow back. Uh, and, uh, you know, deer hunting and messing with uh, habitat. And got my own place about six years ago now. Um, yeah, almost six years ago um, in Jackson County, Michigan. And that, man, I where all my real habitat stuff really started, uh, you know, coming to life, planting switchgrass and inch cutting and TSIs and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, man, just a, just a whitetail hunter mainly at heart and uh, have, a, have a beautiful family, uh, three kids that I know of. And, uh, and three dogs and a cat and my daughter has a bearded dragon. So a house that I have no control over, overrun by <laughs> animals and stinky kids. And I have a beautiful wife that somehow puts up with me and all the things that I go and do. Uh, and she does, does it too. Um, one of these bucks, uh, it's got an orange hat on over at the end. Oh, it yeah. was her first, first deer, uh, a long time ago. And then we act, we're picking up her, another big buck of hers that she shot last year during gun. We talked about it on here, I think, um, picking that up at the end of this week. And I think another one's hers, this one right behind me. Nice 10 point or actually it was like a 13 point. So anyways, supported, um, at home to, to play around and do what I do what I like to go do. I have suck at golf, uh, novice fisherman, but uh, other than that, man, it's just deer. Yeah. Well, you seem to seem to work hard at it. I can tell you that much. I've known you for quite a few years now. You were back on episode 40, 205, 205 must've been, yeah. Last year when we talked about, um, about your, your success yeah. in the 70 with you and your wife, episode 145. But yeah, so if anybody wants to, you know, you guys did really well last year on your on your 70, your wife, yourself, your son. Yeah. Uh, what would you, would you say that your habitat is? Where would you say that it is in its stage of uh, start at zero being, you know, brand new farm blank slate yeah. and then 10 being fully turnkey. All I do is replant my food plots. Oh, probably like a, a, a six probably or seven. Um, it's funny because five years ago when I first started this run, um, I'm like, man, in three years, this place is going to be awesome. And, you know, in five years, this place is going to be awesome. And then, you know, planted a lot of fruit trees and chestnuts and just, uh, those things are starting to drop. I mean, I finally have trail cam picks of, of a deer getting on their back legs to pick an apple, but man, in, in the next five years, my fruit is going to just come to life. And, uh, I, I think a lot of that will be sustainable, especially around the attraction piece. Uh, for these for deer uh, throughout the season, not just not just, you know, in the not just October, but, you know, I'll have August, September, October, November, December, January dropping trees. So that part, I think I'm really I'm really looking forward to, um, you know, did a lot did that 15 18 acre field conversion from corn to it was a cornfield cornfield when I bought it. That's starting to get broke up pretty well now. Uh, planted a lot of trees. You've helped me plant some of those. You and the kids, we were all out there planting trees one day. Yeah, we planted a few. Um, you did, yeah. did most, but we planted a few. Yeah, man. So like those are like above, some of those are above the tubes. Sorry, my uh, camera's going off midday movement. Um, 
Yeah, it it's, is. I know. And we're, we're, we're sitting here in our, in our living rooms, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it Talking happens. over lunch. Talking over lunch, man. Well, we can't always be out there. Right. So yeah, man, uh, the property's coming along. I mean, honestly, thanks. And I've said this before on here and it's thanks to the content that you put out, man. You've put out a lot of really good content that's inspired me and that put it to work. And I mean, we have a few of these deer around the wall or because of that. So uh, and if, if the couple at the taxidermist are, are because of that too. So uh, I appreciate all the thing you do on here, man. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. You're, you know, you're, you're inspirational yourself. You know, if you go back and listen to episode 40 for everybody who hasn't, or maybe just started listening to the show or hasn't heard yet, Corey did like three years worth of habitat work in like one year. So, you know, we were all younger five or six years ago, but you know, I had more to go, go get it in us maybe, but yeah. It's yeah. uh yeah you you've worked really hard and it's it's inspiring to watch how hard you work and, and the shit you get done because of that so I mean do you think the the getting to a I mean getting to a number seven out of ten in terms of status or or stage of the habitat in six or seven years that's that's impressive are you happy with that number do you I mean like I don't think it yeah. could have been done much quicker than that if anything I mean right so yeah. like just kind of give people an idea maybe what to expect yeah i mean you know i had one thing you know taking my soils into consideration things grow grow slower for me um specifically trees so i have a hard time getting trees established because it's it's sand um you know i was messing around trying to dig a pond i literally dug through five feet of sand mm -hmm. um in the lowest spot i could find uh just until i hit where the water table was and when i say sand i'm thinking of selling it to myrtle beach man i mean it's beautiful beach sand um so i i, I battle that so uh, you know there's a lot of things that i have to, i've had to adapt to do uh no-till food plots I, I have a disc i can't use it or i shouldn't use it because i don't want to break up that organic matter that i'm building on top um you know i have a, a good planning system now and I really think the soils have been improving. Um, Vitalize, man, I've been rotating that for the last two years. I started that when you first got, uh, you know, when you first got involved with it uh, last year. So I got a spring planning and a fall planning in and did the same again this year. And uh, camera three, I call it camera three, it's in my northeast. Uh, it's on fire most of the time. Um, it's a big food plot. It's about an acre and a half, which is on the large size for Michigan, but it is full of deer um, anywhere from uh, there's a deer in it right now. I just got a picture, um, you know, eight deer every night. And it's funny because now I'm, I can inventory my bucks because of that's where they're going to push does that it holds a lot of does, but I have four plots that are similar. So that they're doing that on all plots. That's just the only plot I have a camera on that I think has batteries in it right now. Yeah, no, that, that's that's great points. And you think the sandy soil, I mean, I was there when you were digging in that pond. And I think I took a picture or a video, literally the layers yeah. of sand, like, is that yeah. pond holding water? Yeah, where it's down at. I mean, I haven't gone any further. I basically took the four first four foot of topsoil off um, on about a half, probably half acre, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit more, three quarters of an acre. But I mean, I just basically just started filling the backhoe with, with diesel and just was having fun for a few weeks. But now I need to get an excavator out there to to finish wow. it. Really, the backhoe could get it done if I only had that. But really, I need an excavator. And I just kind of ran out of juice and steam. And, you know, last year, you know, habitat season kind of started back up, you know, and, and then deer season started back up. And so I just haven't worked on it as much anymore. Um, but it's just a big, huge recessed food plot now. Matter of fact, that broadcast did a bunch of rye in it just to slow the erosion down. So we will be basically a recessed food plot for a while. Awesome. And, and you need the excavator to just get deep enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah, to get deep enough and be able to swing around with the backhoe, it's nice, but you can only really dig like here. Oh, so yeah. when you're digging, you, you have to make a pile here. So um, it, it will make it hard to then re 
remove all the spoils to make a mound somewhere or do whatever I'm going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll make it hard without worrying about caving in, you know, and the last thing I want to do is cave do that cave in with that type of uh, ground. It caves in pretty quick. Um, so I don't want the edge to cave in, topple over, you know, die. Yeah, no, that, yeah, you topple in there in the back house. Exactly. Yeah, I understand. Now you, back to the, the sand again, do you think that's maybe slowed down some of your your food plot growth or your, your tree growth, maybe your trees in particular to fruit, um, yeah. you know, over time, I, I think it would probably take longer to, to yeah. produce when you, their soil is yeah. really not there. Yeah. You know, I think, and, and that should be an expectation that, you know, for people to have too. And I, and I just was uh, ignorant to it. I didn't know. Um, and, uh, I mean, yeah, it has less organic matter. It's not holding as much moisture in the soil. Right. And, um, on top of that, there's not as much nutrients available there. So, uh, I, and I could be fertilizing and I should be fertilizing more. I, and I haven't, I say, I'm going to do it every year. Uh, at least my trees, you know what I mean? Dropping some like dairy dew or something like that around it. Uh, and I just, I just haven't, uh, but I, I'm going to this year, I promise. But yeah, I think that expectation should be slowed down on how long it takes a tree to grow, how long it takes a tree to fruit, what happens if you have a really dry year. Now, once the roots are established, I haven't lost trees after year one because of weather and other than, you know, them breaking up some, you know, wind breaking something or, you know, something like that. But I haven't lost to them lost them to them drying out but if i plant them in the spring and then we just have this huge dry spell and they're already kind of in shock trying to get out then i you know i can lose trees that way but yeah it definitely slows slows things down yeah and you know i know you've you've been doing some grafting and the last year was the year you planted a bunch and had that we had the big drought right because we had a drought this year too but i think last year was worse or was that this year when you and jared were you were uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, watering we, your your trees with big pumps and yeah, toast yeah. And everything else. Was that this yeah, year? Yeah, we gra- we grafted a bunch. Um, okay. you know, kind of so we could move, you know, plant them on our place, and then if anybody wants any, you know, we could we could sell a few. Um, but yeah, we those trees actually did really well as far as uh from moisture. We watered them a bunch of times, and then um, you know, it's just the grafts. That's a hard thing to do, you know, or at least I uh, you know maybe fifty percent success overall uh on on the trees but still we grafted a ton so we'll probably have like 500 that we can do something with okay nice nice yeah i know moving forward i'm gonna try to buy the oldest trees i can spend the most money you know grafted with the correct root stock all that and just try to try to hedge that learning curve a little bit um again though you more of an investment you gotta you gotta watch over if it's dry too but yeah uh, and, and normally i'm i'm the opposite i'll buy 500 and plant and hope you know half survive or whatever versus yeah you know, plant 10 yeah. but i'm thinking i'm gonna go with the older trees this time around and see uh you know get that fruit faster like you're saying i have a buck this year on the 15 my buddy who bought the property sent me and he's got his head up in the apples on his hind legs, eight point picking them. So yeah, one that you planted, right? Yeah, yep. My daughters and yeah. I. So yeah, that was pretty cool. And um, yeah. just to get to that point, though, like you're like you're getting at, or, or will be next year. Um, I want to get there as fast as I can. You know. Yeah. Yeah. As is everybody yeah. else. You know, and it, it's easy to say that you'll go out and water them once or twice a, a month or whatever it takes, but it, it's a lot. You know, it, if you don't have a pump, if you got to bring water out there, it, it all they all create challenges. So you have to make, you know, make things to pump water out of a, you know, maybe a wet spot you have on your property and just pour five gallons of water on it and just hope that it helps. Um, or, you know, weed mats are very important on there. One stops the uh, competition of things growing up around them and and hold some moisture down you know when you, if you're going your you know your front landscaping and you have mulch you gotta reach under the mulch 
there's always some moisture underneath there. So that really helps keep some moisture underneath there. So that's, that's something that I do too, is I try to put wood chips on there as much as I can, at least in the first year or so. Um, now, now they're, they're just doing their thing. The trees yeah. are just doing their thing, you know? Um, but yeah, the younger trees, it's important to take care of them, uh, up front if you want survival. Yeah, of course. You know, I think, I didn't think we'd be talking so much about trees here in November, but, uh, this is super important and now is actually a great time to plant them and um, get your fall orders in for spring, yeah. right? Order ahead yeah, of time. Yeah, now is when you want to yeah. buy them. Yeah, you need to yeah. order them now. Uh, the first couple of years, and I, I didn't uh, order them in time. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to plant trees next month. I should order some. And they're all gone. All the one, all the varieties I want, you know, from from all the good producers. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be out there trying to, to buy trees right now. One thing that I planted um, that's actually pretty cool are chestnuts. You know, I planted a bunch of chestnuts, but they're actually, uh, they, I had chestnuts this year on, you know, three, maybe four-year-old trees. Yeah. So, you know, just a few, but it's the first time I ever had chestnuts. It was really neat. So I have, I don't know, another 300 chestnuts, hopefully in the next few years, we'll start producing. And, awesome. you know, again, I want to create that sustainable stuff. And as many, as much as I love food plots and how that, that's definitely will always be a part of my head, habitat uh, plan. Um, so will these, so will these trees, you know? So moving, you know, talking about your habitat plan and kind of shifting gears a little bit, what do you think your, your top two or three, uh, or even one habitat implementation has been that you can GSI. look at? GSI? GSI? Yeah. Yeah. I turned a park effect woods into, honestly, I, I don't, I couldn't, I didn't walk in it this summer because it was so thick. Um, but I mean, I know the deer are in there, uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's completely transformed that. And so instead of this bedding being way on my neighbors and their swamps and potholes, this bedding moved closer to where my food plots were for at least the does at minimum, the does, um, which brings the bucks to my food plots so much earlier. Um, or to the areas that I want them to be in so much earlier uh, because of that TSI. You know, uh, I have another property I hunt that's just big park effect woods. Yeah. And it's hard for me to hunt it, uh, especially to go in. I couldn't hunt it this afternoon because I think the buck that I want to harvest is in there. And he can see me from um, from literally a couple hundred yards away. Even though there is some terrain, he can still see me. And if I bump one doe fawn or something laying close to, you know, the, to the ag field, I, you know, do the whole domino effect and push them out. So the TSI has been such a big implementation uh, on, on the farm and, you know, breaking up lines of sight. And so the other big thing would yeah. be just the grasses I planted to break up sight lines. You know, I think I use switchgrass to break up this big, huge open field. Um, so you could, so you can get through it. So I thought, I think that was a, a big part for access um, and just overall security for deer, but keeping deer on my property is the TSI. And on top of that, it creates a lot of winter browse for them. And, you know, there's not standing corn or beans and all these eggs, uh, you know, all the ag fields during the winter and they need nutrition. And that's where they get new, their nutrition is from eating the, you know, eating the buds off of trees. And if they're higher than six, seven feet, they're not getting them, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about that um, here in a little bit, but I want to hear how your, how your season's been going. You know, it's, it's November. You sent me a picture mm -hmm. the other day, but I want to, I want to hear about, take me back to the beginning of the season, kind of give us a rundown of how your season's been going. I know you've hammered quite the amount of does too. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry if you can hear the dogs. Sorry. Not at all. Can you hear them? All right, I can good. hear them. I can hear mine chewing on something behind me. But. All right. Yeah. It sounds like FedEx or UPS or Amazon's here. Um, so the season has been good. I, I've done, a, I think a fair amount of hunting, but trying to be strategic. 
this year, um, so I have my my 70 in, in Jackson County. And then I have another place that I do help shoot does out for a farmer. It's a big farm and it's in Washtenaw County, Michigan. Um, and, and we've shot, we're I think at 40 for the for the year. I think we, he gets summer tags. So we were out there in the summer, uh, uh, shooting one-year-old does without fawns. I, I won't shoot a doe. I just don't like shooting does with fawns. Uh, so I was targeting one-year-old does. So it took a little bit longer, but we shot a bunch in the summer and then, um, shot a few, uh, so far during the season, we had a big, a big day on one during the early antler list. We shot 15 in, in one evening, me and a nice. couple people. Uh, it was, it was crazy. What, what happened is all the ag fields were sprayed with deer repellent with a soybean field. So what it did is it pushed all the deer on, on this 80 acre clover field that the guy has. And the reason he has it is to keep the deer off of everything else off of his ag. He basically plants them a food plot to keep them off of their of his ag because the deer damage that much. So, anyways, um, but got, had my eyes, I had my eyes still on on a specific deer, and I've been hunting them. Actually, saw them the first two times I hunted them um, it, during you know early early October. And my hunting partner actually uh, had him at, at forty yards, thought he was thirty, and the deer still alive. Um, so just got a picture of him today for the first time in a long time. So he's back. He must have taken his little rutcation. <laughs> and uh, now he's yeah. back to, uh, you know, spread his seed, hopefully on, on our ground. Uh, but so hunting him, trying to be strategic without pictures of him, just guessing where he's at. I've had some really cool encounters with a lot of, with a few decent bucks. And I've just been on the pass game this, this year, which has been fun. I, I actually enjoy passing deer. I, I don't mind, I don't mind not even shooting one but uh the other night man i had a really cool hunt and um had uh i was i had only i had only seen i think three dofons and and then all of a sudden at 5 30 a few other a couple other does and a two-year-old came out and the two-year-old was kind of you know harassing the does and then this other buck uh a four-year-old eight point stepped out and he's 200 yards away and i think i don't know if he just could tell these does didn't want to have anything to do with them. So I grunted at him as loud as I could because it's 200 yards away. And he heard me. And then he kind of started walking up towards the does and I, and I hit him with a snort wheeze. And five seconds later, he's at the base of my tree. Jeez. So yeah, it was cool. It was really neat. So once he started running, I had the binos on him. I'm like, that's a great, this great deer. Um, you know, I, he's a, he's a nice eight point and uh, he came running in. So I just went into, I went into kill mode. And as soon as I, he offered me a shot, he gave me a quartering two shot at 12, 15 yards, I think. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to make a great shot, uh, but it was quartering two. And, you know, my experience of chasing after a deer, uh, that, you know, you could have a one single lung liver situation is it, it, I've chased them in the past before and not found them or, you know, yeah. so, uh, I just, I left and I didn't sleep all night and I went back out the next morning and he was right where I saw him stop at 30 yards from my tree. So uh, I just couldn't really see in there. It was really thick, but yeah, he was piled up right, right where I had last seen him, maybe five steps further. He might've taken five steps, which is probably why I couldn't see him laying there dead. You know, when I was climbing down and could see through the brush, you know, but yeah, so it's been a great season. Shot a nice eight point. He's probably 130. Nice. So he's, That's a great yeah, eight point. Great, great Michigan, you know, deer. I'm pretty sure he's four years old. Um, I just actually this morning cleaned the skull off. So I'll, uh, get to do, I'm going to do a Euro with him. So, um, give him to our buddy Drew to beat oh. his beetles and Drew will want the teeth. So I'll give Drew the jaw and Drew will tell me how old he is. He'll probably tell me he's <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> yeah, man. I, that's, that's exciting. I, I've been on the, the past game too, for, for most of it. And, um, 
You know, 130 inch eight point walks in, he's getting stuck. If you're constantly revisiting your cell cameras, there's a problem. If you can't rely on your cell cameras, there's a problem. If you're having trouble getting a hold of customer service, there's a problem. Guys, these problems literally birthed Exodus Outdoor Gear eight years ago when they shipped their first camera. They had a clear desire to not only build elite products that enable you to set it and forget it all season long, but also to back them up like no other company is willing with an unmatched level of customer service and support. See for yourself why Exodus has over 15,000 satisfied customers and why they've quickly become known for their five-year no BS warranty, quality cameras, and best-in-class customer service. You heard that right. Exodus believes in their products so much, every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty that includes theft and accidental damage coverage. Check them out at Exodus Outdoor Gear. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on waypointtv.com. So that shot, you um, you get a pass through on the shot? Yeah, because you couldn't find your arrow, right? Yeah, I still couldn't find my arrow. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where it went. I mean, he was in he was in about 10 inch, 10 inch high clover. Okay. When I shot him, um, fat plugged the hole on the exit, mm -hmm. 30 yard, you know, 30 yard trail to the deer, no arrow. So I, I don't, I seriously don't know where it's at. It must've just like it and like reflected down and slain into that clover somewhere. I might find him. I think my kid has a metal detector around here somewhere. So I might take that out there and find it, you know, heck they're $30 arrows anymore these days. <laughs> Yeah, what's your arrow setup? Um, it's a it's the the VAP, the the Victory Archery, uh VAP TKOs. Um, oh, I think I'm like 520 grains total. Um, I should I was been shooting a four blade. I like little four blades. Uh, they fly the best for me. Um, bigger broadheads. I've been having trouble with flight, even though I try to tune every, you know, I try the whole tune thing. Uh, maybe I'll take my bow to somebody that knows what they're doing um, and, and help me get them tuned. Cause I'd like to shoot like a, a bigger, like, you know, two blade, you know, single bevel. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool to shoot those two and not have to worry about shot angle. I mean, I shot, heck, I shot a few does this year with a rage and those are great. I always carry a couple yeah. of those, especially on that, uh, my, what I call my doe property, you know, because if a doe steps out and that this, the night's over, then I'm going to end the doe. Do you just, you it, just grab the, a different arrow real quick and switch it around or? Uh, yeah. If I see her coming in, I'll switch it out. Yeah. Oh, I have no problem shooting a buck with a rage either. It's just yeah. I won't shoot him in the shoulder. I purposely shot that deer in the shoulder the other day. I must have just missed hard bone because I did get a pass through, but I hit him right in the shoulder. Um, you know, at 15 yards, quarter and two. If I would have shot any further back, it would have been basically just a gut shot, you know? Yeah. And do you think he died that night? Like right after you yeah. shot him? Okay. I think he was, he was, yeah, I think he was dead. Oh, yeah. Day. I think he was dead. Yeah. I mean, he was, I saw him, I saw him. He ran about maybe 30 yards off the field and I could see him. He's only, you know, maybe 20. 25, 30 yards from me. And I had my binos on him and I could see his white rack and it was 530. It started to now get dusk. I mean, that's just sure. like somebody with a light switch dimmer. It just goes, it goes fast. 
Um, yeah, by the time I got down, um, I, I bet you was dead. I saw him stumble a couple times in there. Like I was pretty sure, but yeah. it was one of those things that I, I wasn't pushing him. And uh, everyone was, you know, some people said great decision. My wife's like, go out and get him right now, you know, and I didn't sleep. So by three or four in the morning, I was convinced, heck, maybe I missed him. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you just yeah. start second guessing yeah. everything, man. Oh, yeah. Especially because I couldn't find my arrow. Like I got down and walk, had to walk past where I shot him. And I'm looking, I'm like, where's my arrow? I'm like, oh, I must have kept it. I hit him pretty hard in the shoulder, even though I didn't see the arrow, you know, in him when he's running. Figured maybe it was hanging out of him or something, but I don't know. Yeah, when you don't have the arrow to give you clues to the story, you know, it's hard to, it's hard. And then you don't see him go down, you don't hear him crash, quartering too. There's a lot of things that, you know, are missing, yeah. right? Yeah. In the equation. Um, but yeah, good, good shot, man. That's, that's awesome. I'm sure the arrow's covered in blood, you know? Yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe yeah. The fat cleaned it off some of it, but like, I'm sure it was. Oh yeah. He was smoked. Yeah. I, uh, when I field dressed him, it was right through the center of, uh, one of his lungs and awesome. then right through the, like basically center of the other liver through the liver, one of the lobes of his liver. Awesome. Yeah. He, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was, he, he didn't last probably more than a couple minutes after that. But, I mean, I heard a couple sticks break in there, but it wasn't a, like a loud crash. So it was just him laying down and he was, he was laying right in the trail. He wasn't bedded. He was just laying right in the trail, um, so right where I'd seen him stop. Probably, right yeah. Five, five steps ahead of where I watched him stop for, you know, a minute or two or whatever, however long it was. I don't know. Nice. And which one would you compare him to on the wall behind you? If you um, had any of oh, them? Probably, probably a smaller version of this, one of this eight point here. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. like a, that's like a, I think it's like 144 inch eight point from, uh, that I shot in Iowa a while ago. Or yeah. I think in 2019, the year you were out there too. Yep. Um, yeah. He's just small, a little smaller version of that. Yeah. Very nice, man. Congratulations. Sounds like you're off to a good start. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's good. I'm uh I'm happy. It's it, it feels good. It was a cool hunt. I just snort ways to do you know, anytime you call a deer to to you, especially he's a mature deer, you know, he's a four-year-old deer. So uh anytime you do that, I think I think it's a win. It's not always about inches for me, man. It's about you know a specific deer or you know, having even having a great hunt. Yeah. Do you think that maybe he was keeping your other big boy out of there? No, no. Okay. That, uh, I, I think I'm fortunate enough to have a, a decent amount of uh, older age. We have an older age class on that on that place. Um, but no, I don't I don't think so. I think maybe, matter of fact, I think he was there because he was kicked out of the core area that I just got a picture of that my the buck that I want to harvest. He's in that spot now. He's back in his his range. Okay. Yeah. There's a couple older deer out there. The deer I want to kill is five, six years old. And then yeah. there's another deer that's probably seven or eight years old out there that he actually has more of an attitude than I thought. I've seen him a few times. Bomb geezer. There's nothing on his head. You know, they, <laughs> it really there was an overpopulation problem in yeah. this area. So I think that affects the deer um that that can affect the deer growth it can you know their antlers everything you know plus i think there's a nutrition issue because there's only ag fields and when there's only ag fields and nothing in for them to eat during the winter all park effect woods it, it's actually it puts a lot of stress on the herd which yeah. is why to answer you know to come back to your question tsi man i think that's a really important step to to get the nutrition up and um you know keep these deer healthy during the winter so they can start in the spring putting on bone putting on pounds you know just putting on nutrition versus trying to play catch up yep well, that makes sense yeah and i've been in some of those woods where you're where you're talking doing some doe hunting with you and uh yeah, there's not much in there for for browse. There's some invasive stuff and just yeah, sure timber, right? Right. Oh, and a ton of deer. So yeah, a lot of deer. All right, so you got a tag filled. You still have a tag left, but I think I know who you're going after with that tag. Yeah. What's gun season looking like for you and the family? Um, let's hear. I mean, that's coming up next week. Let's talk yeah. some strategy. Maybe you know what you're gonna do, and maybe what other folks could do. Um, I mean, the ruts 
I think it's still on right now. So yeah, man, I, I think cameras are on fire still. Um, so yeah. you know, so you know, the first the first few days of gun, I mean, it and and all, everything's pressure dependent, right? How much depending on how much hunting pressure these deer see because it just pushes them to do their rut stuff at night um, or pushes them off your property that you can hunt to somebody else's property. Um, Very true. So, you know, I, one, I'm, I'm going to still be hunting where, where bucks are going to be seeking for does. So kind of still hunting my bow hunting strategy. Um, I think bucks are going to be doing one or two, they're going to be doing one or two things. One, they're still just going to be doing the rut thing, looking for the, looking for the available does. Um, and I think they're also going to start as you get into gun season, you're, you're going to see deer getting back on to a feeding pattern where they're just trying to re get those calories back that they've lost over the last, you know, the last 30 days chasing does. So I'm going to be, uh, right away. I'm going to, again, I'll, I'll hunt the does like I'm hunt bow hunting or, you know, hunt the, the buck travel corridors, um, like I'm hunting now. Um, and as gun season go, as we get into gun season and weather dependent, I'm going to be more, start transitioning more back to food, you yeah, know, sure. like my, like my, like the, like my brassicas, uh, I think those are going to be a good draw, you know, food I planted, cut corn fields, cut soybean fields, um, you know, depending on how cold it gets, my clover might still be pretty viable for a while that I have on, the, on one of my farms and, and my alfalfa and clover at my, my home farm, uh, should still be an attraction. I still have deer out there eating every day in, in those things. Um, rye that I've planted, uh, all those, all the greens, uh, you know, the late later season greens, your rapes, your kales, uh, brassicas, they, they're all going to be, I think a pretty good attractant. So I'm going to be hunting those, uh, always playing the wind, right. Always playing my access, right. You know, I, by this time of the year, these deer, uh, are starting to get educated to where they're not going to tolerate what they could tolerate in, you know, early October. So you have to, I'm going to be really strategic about, you know, my wind and heck I actually, the other day I had a fawn like catch my wind and it, and I, and I shouldn't have had it catch my wind and it, but it did, it got me. It, it didn't, I, it would have been dead, but if, but I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, if my five-year-old buck comes in here that I want to shoot, I'm, ne I'm no, I have no chance in this setup, you know, then take account and took my thermals that this fawn would get me. But if a six month old deer pegged me, that's, uh, tells me if a five-year-old wouldn't even give me a time of day. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to be real thoughtful. Uh, always be thoughtful on that too. It's part going to be part of my strategy. As far as a family, I, I don't know what everyone's going to do. Uh, you know, my wife's been out a few times. We have a, a couple really nice eight points on our farm, um, with her name on it. Um, I went out to try to shoot one of them. Oh, maybe last week or the week before. Yeah. And you, we you, talked, you, it was, yeah, about a little over a week ago. Yeah. And they were, it's a, there's, you know, a couple nice, you know, 125 inch, 130 inch eight points. They're beautiful deer. And you and I were talking about it. Uh, if I'd shoot it, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm going to shoot this one. But I'm not going to shoot another hundred at this other place. I won't shoot one. And then I, I did, but you know, um, I wasn't going to say anything, but you know, yeah, dude, no, it's, 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 it's all good. You know, and we just get in the moment, but I'm happy about it. I won't shoot a deer that I regret shooting. I'm, I'm not, I don't have to kill one. Um, but you know, it, there's a cool story behind it. It was a cool hunt. I've had a, I've had a great season so far and yeah, I shot a really nice buck, had a cool shot on him, and executed the shot and had a sleepless night that goes with it. And I'm always going to remember those things, man, you know? Yeah. Um, so this whole waiting for this Mr. Big or Mr. Big only, cause I'm the big bad buck hunter, you know, that, that was actually starting to weigh on me this year, man. Like it really was, it was at the point where I'm like, is it worth it? I wish someone would kill him. I wish you, that deer was gone. So I can just enjoy hunting because I made it so much about a single deer that actually took away 
uh, it took away some of the joy. And so that night that I went, I hunted my farm once. I sat my 70 acres once and I have hours and days and weeks into labor per year into that place. And I'm sitting there missing it because I'm after this one buck. Um, so I went and hunted my farm at a great hunt, man. And I almost shot one of those, one of those target deer because of the work that I put in because of that habitat work, the travel corridors, you know, the food plots, the mock scrapes, you know, all those things that he came out to it, you know? No, I, I, I've never, yeah, I, I agree with you, but I've never just chased one buck. Um, the 15 acres, man, they would, there was a bunch of deer that would move through there and there was the year to year, they were always different. Um, really? Either they'd all get shot or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, I really don't have, and I had trail cameras everywhere. I really don't have the picture where I go, oh, yeah, this was him last year, and now he's here this year. That property yeah. was just such a, a travel corridor type property that um, I've never really been able to chase just one single deer, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's – I've never I've never done it, so I can't I can't weigh on it. But I, I can agree with what you're saying and imagine that if I was, I'd be probably commiserate with you the same feelings you're having now or, or were having before you shot that buck. Cause um, you passed a couple of good deer out there and, and chasing that one. Some guys swear, swear by doing it, but um, time and everything else. And, you know, got to get it done. Yeah. Too. yeah. Well, actually one of the deer was 145 inch 10 point. My buddy ended up shooting it. He couldn't resist, but I passed him, but I had the big one at 150 yards and I'm not going to shoot. I, I'm just, that's the deer I wanted to shoot, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and it was early in the season and this beautiful 10 point walks by me. And I'm just like, not picking up my bow, man. And, like, and I looked at him. I'm like, I would kill that deer every day of the week. He's four <laughs> and a half, if not five and a half. Just a beautiful, heavy, dark, uh, great tines. Just a beautiful deer. And uh, I don't regret it. I don't regret a second of it. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that you're talking about pictures year after year, and I don't know if I wasn't sharp enough in the past to look at those pictures when I had a place over by uh, in Branch County, Michigan, because we had 120 acres and I know I had deer year after year, but I never really put it together. But one of the things that I've noticed is because of the food plot, because of the TSI, because of the habitat work, and because of the the smart being smart on pressure, and this goes into my strategy for gun season too, is I'm going to be thoughtful on my pressure because what I've found is that the deer that show up in my at my farm in December, I'm hunting them in October. They'll oh, stay. Sure. Like it really? could be a new buck. Yeah, I'm like, hey, um, we have I have an eight point right now. He showed up last year, um, probably around late mid December, and he's on my farm now. And I never really knew. I never saw him before then that I rem that I ever knew of. You know, but he was a three year old last year. This year he's a four year old eight point, and he's a really nice deer. So. Um, I think going into the next month and a half of deer hunting, I'm going to be thoughtful on that pressure. I'm not going to try to overhunt these deer. I'm only going to hunt the evenings, especially once, you know, uh, October, uh, December rolls around. I'll probably only hunt evenings um, and be thoughtful about it so I can attract those deer to hunt them next year. So we've no, we've noticed that. So having the good winter food, having the brassicas, having my, you know, the vitalized mix is heavy in brassicas. Um, I think that's going to help recruit deer for next year. Even if it, there's not a two-year-old on my farm, that's going to be a three-year-old or four, you know, whatever age class that's not there today, they they'll come because I'm going to have low pressure and I'm going to have abundant food, abundant cover, and then they'll stay. So I think, well, and dude, I, if you want, I'd love to talk about maybe getting a blank slate of 40 acres and the ability to be able to do that. You know, if you, if you think about, uh, you know, park effect woods today and what you could turn that into with, uh, just having some food and cover and, and smart on the pressure and less pressure than your neighbors do. Right. I think you could turn that into a property where you have pictures year after year of 
of of get them at two years old, three years old, and four or whatever year you want to try to harvest them. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're you're right. We'll get to that in just just a second. Um, you mentioned something there. I was going to ask you about son of a gun. Um, oh yeah, like what we always talk about with the land plans and building a property. You know, build it, they will come. That's very cliche. All that we always say, be the you know the outlier in the area. Be be the the reason that all your neighbors are wondering where their deer went, right? So you've done that. And that's probably why when you were talking about the deer that come in in December or whenever and hang out, oh, look at look at this. Look at all this nice stuff. You know, that's why yeah. I think that happens for you. Um, and and low pressure, smart hunting pressure, stuff we always talk about. But it's cool to see you turn that 70 into what it is now. A lot, a lot of hard work, folks. Don't don't let him humble his way out of this. He's busted his <laughs> butt out there, but you know, he's here in what year did you buy that property? 17? 18. 18. Because I bought mine 17. You bought it the year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The 15. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, five years, buddy. Five and you're and you're you're at that mark. So it can be done. It's a lot of work, as you know. Um, and then to to the flip side of that, um, you know, haven't mentioned it yet, but closed on a new 40 acre parcel yesterday. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, thank, you. thank you, man. I'm very excited about it. Um, and it's gonna be that blank slate. It is. You've you you've seen it with me. You walked out there with me one day. Um, yeah. and uh what you know, what what are your initial thoughts on that? We'll dive into this this whole new 40 on a on another podcast in terms of really breaking it down and and blah blah blah. Um, just so the listeners have you know a full grasp on what the property is, but you know, you 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 like to play devil's advocate, which is what I do as well, um, just to make sure your brain's working correctly, my brain's working correctly on on all the things. Um, you know, so what what were your thoughts when we walked it a while back? Well, so man, so first off, on devil's advocate, I guess I was I was just thinking I don't. It's not not have, in a bad way, but like yeah, but you know, I, th- I think I think you're always angle. you're always gonna have neighbors. You're yeah. always gonna have other people hunting around you, no matter how much land you have. Your deer are gonna come and go, um, and you need to create a place that. They feel the safest, right? Yep. What I love about it, man, I, I love how it's insulated from the road. It's off the road. You have an access, right? Yep. Um, I love that you already have a ton of timber. I took a, I took a big field and then tried to make deer want to be there outside of just having like a cornfield in it, right? And then eating cut corn um, or cut, you know, cut crops. So you have that's, all this. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. That's it's time. It's money. You got years to grow that up. They're, yeah. they're both hard to do, but that one's hard to do. Yeah. Um, uh, yours is solid timber, yep. um, uh, different, different year, uh, you know, ages of timber, different successional ages, right? You have some early growth, um, some, you know, which a little higher stem count. And then you have some, some, you know, lower stem count, more mature trees. And it's, it's relatively flat ground, but mm-hmm. you have some subtle tra- uh, terrain changes that I think and uh, will help you because the, the whole area is relatively flat, right? So it's not like you have the flat piece in hill country. You have flat ground and flat country. And but these subtle terrain changes, and I think the way that they move through the property and, and everything that you know how to do uh with manipulating habitat uh to to you know manipulate manipulate their travel corridors, I think you're gonna be able to build a property that's gonna hold deer. Um it's gonna allow you to get out to hunt them, right? Because yeah. it's one thing to have a property you can hold deer, but can you get out to hunt them without blowing your property out? Um and I think you're gonna be able to, you know, put more food both through food plots, but also through, you know, I think you're going to do some TSI. I'm, I'm assuming and part of your plan is maybe fire up a couple chainsaws. Um, I think that property could be pretty awesome, man. I mean, I told you that when, when we, when we walked it, I, I loved it. I love that. It's just a block of timber. Um, my favorite place to hunt on this doe farm is a block of timber and actually it's 40 acres and it, 
if I could own just that 40 acres, I mean, a chainsaw and loggers would be in and out in that place. That's some big mature timber. But if I could own just that, I mean, that holds most of the deer that I talk about that we hunt on this 400 acres. You know, that's where most of the deer are is in this 40 acre piece of, of timber. Um, so I think you're going to be able to do that. Is that 40 acres in like the middle of the section too on your, on your farm? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's surrounding timber around it too. Is there? Okay. Sure. Yeah. There's surrounding timber on it. And then some ag obviously too. Um, your proximity to ag, uh, is, it's a little further, but I think, but I think that could be good. You know, I think that could be a good thing, especially if you get into your place to hunt it in the morning, right? Right. If you have deer returning from ag, um, then you'll be able to get in there in the morning and maybe be able, it might help you in the evening too. Cause what I've noticed on, on my farm, on my smaller plots, I'll, I'll be sitting till dark and I'll have deer under me. And I'm just at about the point to call someone to come pick me up on a, in a truck or a four wheeler so I can get out of there. And next thing you know, they're gone. They're going, they're going to ag, right? So hopefully your deer will be up on their feet at, if it gets dark at, let's say 730 or whatever time, um, they'll, they'll be on their feet at four, you know, milling around your place, going to your plots, and then they're on their way to ag so they can hit ag at dark. So I think you're, I think point. you're going to have, you, you could have, you could take advantage of deer movement because of that. This is just obviously uh deer, you know, hypothetically speaking, but um, man, I, I really like the property that, that you bought, man. Tell, I mean, yeah. you, you've seen it more than me. Tell me about it. Yeah. Well, I, what's nice about starting having another another project to work on right the northern 70s way up north um that's underway you know I'm, yeah. i was i was waiting forever to get that done and we'll we'll do another update on that coming up soon too for the listeners um but that's underway so yeah. and it's hunting season so now this down here um a lot closer to home than the last farm which is nice that's an advantage um uh, yeah off off the beaten path off the road um mature timber needs cutting you know um the previous owner who's a podcast listener uh appreciate you you know who you are um i think he, he got some some bids from some guys but he said they were trying to lowball him i think and, and maybe try to take advantage so he never went through with it um and that's important when you're finding a logger to find somebody you trust which is can be hard to do uh, mm-hmm. so so my first thought is okay uh it's full of of mature white oak um and then a lot of soft maple those are the main two main two deals so I don't know what that'll fetch for for value or not, but I do know that that canopy needs to get opened up because it's it's fairly yeah. a park effect. Um, you know, every and even if it doesn't have- bring a lot of even if it doesn't bring a lot of timber value, it's still better to have you know a professional guy on a chainsaw going in and knocking some of these trees down because you know you know we work for a living and I mean we can do habitat work, but still you know let somebody go in there, haul them out, and get some get something out of it versus letting them just rot on the ground. Yeah. You know it, it, it might be a wash. Who knows based on the types of trees that are in there, but. At least you have someone in there, you know, uh, helping you get some of that work done versus having to pay me in, in bourbon, right? <laughs> exactly. Plus, if you and I did it, I'd probably drop a tree on my head at some point with that many trees. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's it can be know, dangerous. So yeah. as much as a TSI is a great implement, a, a great tool for habitat, man, you still got to be careful. Yep. Yep. So, and that's right, sorry, kinda, sorry. So for, sorry oh, for the sidebar. No, great sidebar. That's that's on my mind right now. Is is timber and TSI big time because that's the first step. Um, that's the first step on this place. And I'm not. And and my last fifteen was cut about a year or two before I bought it. So I was having a hard time getting people to come in there and cut again to get yeah. to my liking. And I, I took me three years to get that cut. This will not yeah, take me three years to get that cut. I it will not. I will not wait for that. It will. You know. Um, I'll figure out a way to make that happen to get this regeneration going quicker. 
to get to the end goal quicker um the whole thing so uh the previous owner showed me some some deer that are moving through there looks like a bunch of healthy deer in there um good yeah. good population um so yeah we have a we have a blank slate uh the one side is fairly fairly wet so i'm gonna try to work with maybe that guy that we talked about before the same guy that's been on my my buddy brian's farm with yep. usda and see if there's any opportunities to do something there um yep. So right now there's a lot of brainstorming, man. I'm excited. My brain is going 19 or 20 different ways. Uh, and now that it's finally closed, it's finally mine. I can I can relax on that part. And and now it's fun stuff. You know, now it's yeah. fun stuff. So, you know, hopefully the neighbors are all cool. I haven't really talked to them a bunch. Um, you never know. There's going to be a risk. Not, not, not every property is perfect. There's going to be a hole in the bucket somewhere, I'm sure. And I'm going to figure that out. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm pumped. He's He was saying, and, and so it's mid-November, right? I closed on it yesterday, the 8th of November. Yeah. So a lot of good bow hunting's already already done. I shouldn't say, I mean, the main part's done, but there's still the rest of the year. Um, he was saying that early December gets decent because of uh, a second cycle of does. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, have you, have you seen that when you hunt either at the Jackson farm, at the other farm? Um, cause I'm going to be ready after Thanksgiving to get in there with a muzzle loader or whatever and, and fill a buck tag. So what are your thoughts well, on, on December or timing after gun season, even like after the two weeks? Yeah. What you're talking about, like a second cycle, like a late rut. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like a 30 day cycle, like a 30 day, uh, yeah. Past yeah. Cycle. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and it's during the Michigan muzzle loader season. I think that it can, that can be, that can be great hunting. Um, you, you have, you're getting on food, depending again, depending on the weather, you have all these does going right, just eating their stomachs. And I think that could be a great place to hunt is, is food sources. And yeah, absolutely. You have bucks chasing does, you got bucks chasing fawns. Actually the biggest, well, one of the bigger, probably the biggest buck I've shot. Um, I shot in Iowa chasing a doe fawn, uh, uh, December 5th, 7th, 9th, somewhere in there. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I think it's. A, a very real thing uh and and what i was gonna i you know just throw throwing a suggestion go find a few little maple trees and cut them down tomorrow and leave lay these maples down um they probably lost their leaves on, on them already obviously but yeah those that'll be great nutrition for the deer you know uh to get them through the winter and it also will attract a lot of deer because there's browse on the ground so anyways those are some tactics that you could use now even is hinge over some small, a bunch of maples, soft maples, not, yes. nothing with timber yes. value and create a late season food source. Did we talk maybe. about that? I don't think we've talked about that. No, I don't know. Maybe I've, I, done, I've done it. I've done it in like mid to late October, right before they've lost their leaves. That's a great and idea. They'll eat them like candy. They just yeah. eat. They eat those maple leaves like candy, man. Yeah. I, yeah. That's I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, I don't, you know, cause it's fairly open. Like we talked about, there's no food plots in there and the ag, they cut the corn, which is already far away. Mm -hmm. You know, what's to really keep them in there besides a little pressure. So yeah, go and take down, you know, 20 maples pretty quickly. I can do that pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, even without the leaves, you think we'll be good just nipping on the buds and the tops. Oh yeah. Oh Especially yeah. Especially when it starts to get colder, right? Oh yeah. They'll definitely eat those, but they'll eat those buds now. Yeah. If you, yeah. if you were to drop those, those I mean, the buds are, are still kind of, they're growing, growing. I think they're all still kind of hopping right now, you know, but yeah, absolutely. 
you're creating a new woody browse for them. It's great nutrition for the deer. Yeah. You know, and that it kind of goes into the plan of what can you do right away to attract deer to your property before you can go in and implement a habitat plan, which isn't going to take a day, you know, it's going to take a long time, yeah. but you, these like little easy things that you can do, um, is, is, is dropping some trees and creating some woody browse for these animals. I love it. I'm definitely going to do that. And I think that, and, and even if the loggers come in in the wintertime, whatever, run them over, you know, yeah, yeah you're sprout. looking at you're going to be getting yeah. like, you know, small. You're not going to go cut down some big old giant maple. Just go cut down, you know, eight inch trees. Yeah, you know, the regular cut. hinge cut trees. Add some cover, add some immediate food. Boom. Yeah, add, add some screening and and hinge them, too. You can try to hinge them if you want, because then yeah. it adds the screening through the open timber. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, and they're just laying sideways versus falling on the ground, you know. And if you yeah. don't want them there later because it's not part of your plan, do it where you're going to probably maybe put a food plot in anyways. I think there if there's a blind on the property or a place that you think you're going to be hunting from, do it 50 yards, 60 yards, 100 <laughs> yards, whatever from there, right? Upwind just, upwind to there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're improving yeah. the habitat, you're creating food for the for the deer. I love it. I think and that's I mean, again, that's something that everybody can do right now. Like I posted on that Michigan um, Michigan Deer Camp Facebook group. They show all these, everybody shows their camps up north. It's pretty fun. Yeah. I posted something about logging in there, and, and some guys were complaining and, and moaning about it. And other guys are like, "Hunt the logging. Like, don't wait three to five years to hunt it. Hunt it like now. Chainsaws yeah. and and those tops." In November, they're like, who cares about all the equipment when they go home for the day? Get in there. Um, yeah. So that's exactly to your point, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember I, uh, I used to go up, up to northern Michigan and the guys would tell me when they were doing logging in the, in the winter, the one guy had like a big buck on the wall that he shot. He's like, I shot this when we were out cutting trees. Because they were logging and these deer would just come in and just eat in the tops while they were there. Because it's northern Michigan, there's three foot of snow during their late gun season, maybe that year, I don't know. Um, and then when I'm out doing habitat work at my place, January, February, um, even March, and I'm out there with a chainsaw and there's snow on the ground. Uh, I remember one time I went and I, I ran out of gas, I had to run back to my barn and get uh, more gas for the saw. And I came back out and there's three deer eating a tree, eating the tops of a tree I just cut down. I rolled right up to it with my tractor. When I got out, they scurried off, right? But yeah, um, these deer, if they have ever been around it before, they know that when a tree falls, it's, that's food for them. And it becomes competitive because there's only so many still, depending on the size of the tree you cut down, so much they can get to. I and mean, look at hinge cuts or edge feathering that you, you've you done. If you yeah. do edge feathering in the winter and you come back a, two weeks later and there's snow, you'll Correct. see tracks getting all in there. And you're like, I, and you were trying to create, and you might have tried to have been doing it to keep deer not from going through there. I was. And they show you how easy it is for them to get through <laughs> that stuff, right? And they're going to do it so they can get their food. So yeah, uh, that's that's some of the best brows out there for them. So yeah, that would be a suggestion. That would be something you could go do. Go get in a fight with a few little maple trees. Nothing that's going to be a money tree or yeah. nothing that's going to completely change the landscape of your property, but make a little pile of trees for them, man. And that will scratch the habitat itch that I've had for a little while now. Not you know, I haven't done much saw work lately. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun, you know. Yeah. The neighbors are going to be all pissed off. Who's this new guy cutting trees in the middle of deer season, huh? Bring a silk, bring like know, a little you know. silky. You could do a little one. You could just bring a little silky or just bring, yeah, bring a small That's, chainsaw. Yeah, I don't think they're going to matter. I don't think anybody's going to be mad that you're pushing deer out of like a center <laughs> out to their property. True. You know what I mean? That's true. It, it, you, you do it once. You push the deer one time. Don't go out there every single day for a week to right. knock down trees. Go out right. there, spend two hours, do, do a little bit of work. Yep. And then leave. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Like, I like you can do it now before gun season. I, I should. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know you got a lot, a lot to do and you're going to be out soon, but well, yeah, yeah. But here, take, take the kids out there this weekend and 
and get it done, right? I mean, my wife's going away for the weekend. It's kind of hard to bow hunt for mature deer with three kids. So um, maybe that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I guess what's the what's the impact that could have if you have abundant, you have more food, you attract deer that maybe save their life from a neighbor. Yeah. Right. Think about ways to keep a deer on yeah, your before property. gun season. Right. Yeah. So you're blowing them out before the guns fire. Yeah. Even if so there's not a deer in. that you want to harvest that right. on that property this year, well, the goal is to grow the age class, Correct. To grow the age class. You got to save some lives. So how do you get, how do you keep a deer off of somebody else's property that shoots whatever, right? Or mm -hmm. a nice two-year-old eight point. It may not be what you want to shoot or might be, but, you know, get a nice two-year-old eight point, either chasing does that are eating the trees you just cut down or him and, and they're eating the trees you just cut down versus going eating out, uh, you know, somebody else's whatever it is. Couldn't agree more. I think that's a dynamite uh, idea and um, and a good strategy. And I mean, you know, anybody who's going up to camp this weekend, you know, I'm going to launch this episode tomorrow. So anybody who goes up yeah. to camp this weekend, I mean, you got to cut firewood, you know, yeah. get ready for. Yeah, there, there's no, it's it's not baiting. It's not yeah. any of that. It's not. It's it's totally legal. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. You can do your habitat work now um, or you can go cut firewood now. Right. Yep. But yeah. Awesome. Well, I wish you would come join us at Deer Camp. I know you got the family and the farm and everything else to to, to tend to down here, and I I understand that. Yeah. That's priority. Um, yeah. But I wish you luck, my friend. Thanks, man. Good luck uh, going. You're going to be up north for yours. Yep, we're having the whole ice camp crew up there. So uh, the oh, only, one, only one we'll be missing, I think, is is you and uh, Matt Zoll. He's going over. To, he has his own camp in Alpena um where's I everybody think, hunting at i think uh state land all state so yeah yeah i don't have hunters. any interest in like just hunting but um yeah it'd be fun to come up and hang out with everybody man yeah. i mean you know i always like hunting don't get me wrong i, I want to hunt but um uh, i'm gonna be picky with this this last tag of mine um yeah i'd rather eat i'd rather eat it than than shoot something else or at least that's what i say today yeah. but man dude good luck up north it's gonna be fun you're gonna be on your place though right yep Fre and it's freshly logged so look at that test that theory if uh if you got some tops find the tops with the tops i know i'm gonna see what the logger schedule is because they've been going uh day after day up there they're up there right now um and they have till january 1st to finish up and they look like they're making progress they said they're making progress i can't i haven't been out so I, i'll i'll know more uh if it's feasible to, to hunt a little bit or what but hey i'm looking forward to it man and, and i wish you luck and uh right. yeah go chase that big boy for sure yeah i'll probably be back after tomorrow morning heck yeah good luck brother thanks for coming Bye. on anything else you want to you want to touch before we move? No, man, I'm good. Uh, good luck to you. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with the new 40. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have you uh, out to. to yeah. 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 You'll yeah be out to, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll be out. I'll come give you a hand with with whatever you need, man. We'll, we'll have some fun out there. I'm looking forward to it, buddy. Thanks for coming on. All right. See you, dude. Thanks, Jared. Thank you very much for listening to the Habitat Podcast. Guys, we will be back with another great episode next week. I just want to say once again how grateful we are for the listenership we have and the, the loyal listeners you guys have been and supporters of the podcast. For those of you who want to support further, we have free decals being sent out to those who leave us great reviews. Scroll down, hit the link to leave a great review, and then email me info at habitatpodcast.com. I'll get you a free five-inch decal in the mail right away. Guys, I want to thank our sponsors, Vitalize Seed Company at vitalizeseed.com. Exodus Outdoor Gear, Packer Max Cultipackers, Morse Nursery, Acres.com, Downburst Cedars, First Light, United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. 
When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.